0: Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 37, Proud Papa. I'm broadcasting live, well, live for me, from the Power of Change Worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Well, it's been an interesting week, to say the least, for me. Um, My intentions were one thing, and providence and circumstance led to quite another reality. I drove up to Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville for you Northeasterners, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, with the intention of taking a class on the religion and history of Islam. Well, wouldn't you know it, on the eve of beginning that class, a five-day kind of boot camp class, um, I came down with a severe viral eye infection in my left eye, literally looked like Rocky Balboa been punched in the face. Very contagious, went to the doctor Monday morning, you know, no contact for 24 hours, so kind of when you're in a five-day class, you know, class from eight to five every day, you miss a day, you kind of miss uh, quite a bit. Uh, the The infection then went to my right eye, so I kind of, you know, was laid up in a hotel on the campus, the historic campus of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Uh, for a couple days and then kind of kind of came home my wife made it sure i made sure i went through the incubation period that i wouldn't infect the family with uh, that glory and they were snowed in uh, here in blacksburg anyway so i got home i'm resting up healing up a bit preparing for a big day for me tomorrow december 16th yes that's our Christmas party we're having a Christmas party at our house a few friends over nothing major nothing big uh, you know and of course my family loving me so much decided to do our Christmas party on my birthday um, so I'm just gonna think it's my birthday party too. Um be 46 tomorrow kind of crazy that's that sounds a lot like a 50 year old to me 46 but um, in these old people lands I still feel like a you know a spry bushy tailed young brother in my spirit you know what I mean Um, so I'm still at my fighting weight. I'm still ready to go, uh, loving and leading our home team into the holiday season. Um, I do have a quick review ish that maybe this is fruit born from uh, a week that I considered a little washed out. I did not get to take the class in Islam. I hope to do that in an online format here, maybe in the summer, um, but we did. I did get to read one of the first books that was assigned to us, and it's a very approachable book. In fact, this book my wife began to read just casually around the house after it arrived uh, in one of those nice, beautiful, smiley Amazon.com boxes. Um, it's a book called Muhammad and the Believers uh, at the Origins of Islam. It's by a man named Fred Donner, uh, Islam and professor of Near Eastern History, University of Chicago, very, very eminent scholar um, of this time period. And so... Um, I want to just uh, give a shout out. If you are, if you don't know anything about the history of Islam, uh, this is a good book that gives a basic outline form, and then it gives a lot of credence to the religious sources. In other words, the actual traditional sources of Islam itself, both the writings of the community as well as the Quran, which I think is respectful, actually, to actually listen to a community's own history. Um, as uh, an objective, somewhat objective uh, historian tries to compile uh, his own view of how this worldwide phenomenon, now major world religion, geopolitical movement of Islam, began. Um, I won't give too much up, but you can. I'll put in the show notes uh, my personal review that I did write of this book. Um, one of the things that is revealed in this book uh, by Fred Donner is that there's this desire... Uh, in Western civilization to make Islam a little different uh, than it actually is. That uh, from the, you know, fertile grounds of Arabia, uh, led by this man who claims to have heard from God, um, extended a powerful empire, mainly through three roles. He was a prophet, religious leader of the community. He was also the political leader, unifying the community, and also a military leader. And in these three roles, just in a few short years um, Muhammad began a movement that uh, led a, a about a hundred-year conquest throughout uh, the Middle East, uh, the ancient Near East, North Africa, all the way up into the Iberian Peninsula. Um, Donner seems to want to create this picture of this kind of multi-monotheistic religion community that wasn't yet the religion of Islam or the political empire-building thing that is Islam in history. And it's a little bit... Um, I think, wishful thinking. But it's an excellent book, great treatment of some of the history, although a little tendentious, a little biased towards this thesis he has uh, that in the early days, uh, Islam wasn't this totalitizing thing uh, that it became. But that's our review segment as we begin today, uh, just to give a little love to some learning, right? We need to learn about history. History informs our present. And if it doesn't inform us well, our futures can be uh, handicapped in light of that. And so, uh, world history, uh, recent history, ancient history, it's all really, really good. If you want to see a podcast episode on that, uh, see from the summer, don't know much about history. Uh, My personal history reading this year has gone a lot around the American Revolution. I've read several books uh, on that, as well as George Washington. I'm on a book about Alexander Hamilton. Uh, the good and the bad and the ugly of the uh, founding uh, peoples of America in their European context, breaking away from long uh, histories of monarchy and, uh, and empire into something different uh, and then of course, the conflict that you know we still have with us today uh, of white supremacy racism uh, that was with America at the founding with slavery. Uh, that exist to fuel the uh, the empire, so to speak, particularly with uh, goods and trade with the old country uh, on the on the um, enterprise of slave owners. Um, certainly, George Washington freed his slaves uh, when he died in his will. That was something he did. He emancipated them all, but was a conflicted man about those issues. Along, know your history, whether it's ancient Islam in the West. Uh, or more recent, Founding of America, it really will help us grasp the ways we might live differently into the future, and then maybe give us some humility, some humility as well, because we tend to have pride in our own moment, that we got it all figured out now, and everybody else who's different than us is stupid, and we're going to tell them that on Twitter. We have too much of that. We need more humility uh, in our world, particularly in our discourse and interaction around things that are important, issues of justice and politics, so that we can accept one another as we work for change uh, in our time. There is a way forward, friends. Don't give way to the prophets of despair or the disparaging. Um, You can have your political philosophies, but yet work together with one another in love and humility. My topic today is about that. It's about pride. Uh, I've entitled it Proud Papa uh, simply because uh, I'm a dad um, and I think about the word pride a lot. In fact, uh, pride, once I became a Christian, it took on a new dimension because early in my life, I, I took the word proud or prou- pride to be a very positive thing. Uh, and then I started looking at how the biblical story teaches us about pride, and you learn something else about the human heart that certainly I uh, wrestle with, we all wrestle with, and we need to grow and repent of uh, this other kind of pride that's not uh, not good but insidious. In fact, this uh, little nugget that I'll share with you today, I've shared with uh, some high school students recently, as well as some middle school students recently, and then also been uh, chopping this up in my own household with my own children, and so pride, being proud, is it good or bad? Well, today I want to present two species, two species of pride. I'm going to call them proud one, proud two. Pretty simple. You can call it thing one, thing two, like cat and hat. This is proud one and proud two. Proud one, I think, is a very good thing in the world. Proud one is a delight in, a finding joy in, and in the affirmation of others right this can be a very good thing to be proud of someone or something we see something right in the world maybe in a a child or someone we're coaching or a friend or a mentee somebody at work we see something good right we see something excellent right and true and beautiful right in someone else and you just want to look at them and say hey man uh, I'm proud of you I'm proud of you I'll never forget a few years back, my son and I went to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes wrestling banquet at the NCAA tournament. Uh, The keynote speaker this particular year was a man named Tom Ryan who wrestled at the University of Iowa, actually at Syracuse first, then transferred to the University of Iowa. A little bit older than me, but somewhat of a contemporary, a few years older. Um, Tom Ryan is now the head coach at The Ohio State University and CAA champions, I believe, in 2015, if I get that correct. And he was speaking about his own personal faith and his own story about how he came to faith in the midst of tragedy. And he told the story about of, of his young two-year-old son passing away, um, at, literally at their dinner table. And my son and I, we just looked at each other, both kind of got tears in our eyes, and thought, man, how how do you go through that? And he describes how God found him and mm-hmm. saved him during this season of life. And then at the end of his talk, he, he was talking about the creativity and uh, the, the, the beauty of God. And he, he asked his daughter, I think was about 18 years old or so at the time and asked her to come up and stand next to the stage. And he said, look at her, look how beautiful she is. I'm like, dude, this is a room of wrestlers, man. You better be careful. Um, as people look at your daughter, um, but you could see something that he was saying about this creature that God had made, uh, that he was just imminently, you could tell he's just proud of her. He saw something in her, a delight, a joy, a beauty, something in others. Hey, I'm proud of you. This is something in the world that's very good and very right. But there's this other thing we might call thing too proud too, which is also a delight, a joy in, and an affirmation, but it's not in others. It's a looking only at oneself. It's actually a sickness of the human heart. It's a tendency to... Uh, exalt oneself and look down upon others. We have phrases for this, right? He he thinks his stuff doesn't stink, right? She thinks she's arrived. Uh, Someone who no longer thinks they need to grow or repent or work at things in life. It's just a profound disrespect for God and others by looking only at yourself, maybe your own glory, your own greatness, and having, quite frankly, a very high view Of oneself. So pride one looks into others and sees something good, right, true, and beautiful. Pride two looks only into mirrors and either despises self or exalts self, but the focus is only on self. Now, in history, there was an author who gives great insight into this thing called pride, who also went from being an unbeliever to a believer in Christ in the 20th century. And he wrote a book that's become a classic called Mere Christianity. He also wrote books like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe that your kids may have read, or you might watch the movies. They're fantastic. At least the the first movie was. Um, these are two quotes from Chapter 8 of the book Mere Christianity, Uh, by Clive Staples Lewis, C.S. Lewis. I'm going to read two passages. They're not significantly long, a couple paragraphs each, but I think they get into the nature of this thing I'm calling pride or proud, proud too. Lewis writes, I now come to that part of Christian morals where they differ most sharply from all other morals. You know, there's multiple views of morality in the world, don't you? There is one vice which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when they see it in someone else, and which hardly any people except some Christians ever imagine that they might themselves be guilty of. I have heard people admit that they are bad-tempered, or they cannot keep their heads about with women or drink, or even that they are cowards. I do not think I've ever heard anyone who is not a Christian accuse himself of this vice. And at the same time, I have very seldom met anyone who is not a Christian who showed the slightest mercy towards it and others. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves." And the more we have it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice I am talking about is pride or self-conceit. And the virtue opposite to it is, in Christian morals, called humility. You may remember when I was talking about sexual morality, I warned you that the center of Christian morals did not lie there. Well, now we have come to the center According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all of that are mere mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. So what Lewis is getting at here is that pride has no room for God in the heart of the one who is proud. Proud one, I mean proud two, excuse me. In this state of pride, proud two, we're looking only in our, into ourselves, self-conceit, looking only into mirrors. There's no room for anyone else. Lewis goes on to write later in the same chapter The Christians are right. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Other vices may sometimes bring people together. You may find good fellowship and jokes and friendliness amongst drunken people or unchaste people. I've been in a few locker rooms. But pride always means enmity, it is enmity. And not only enmity between man and man, but enmity towards God. Right? There's this hatred of the other that happens from a proud person. You begin to despise other people. Lewis goes on, In God you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison You do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. You see, God wants us to know That God is greater than ourselves, right? That we are not the greatest beings. We're not the greatest, most moral. We're not the smartest. We're not the wisest. We're not better than everyone who's our neighbor. But pride, right, proud too, leads us to this. It says either I'm better than everyone and I can't quit focusing on myself, or it thinks everyone is better than me and I can't quit focusing on myself because I'm comparing myself constantly to others, and then we begin to loathe other people. That word enmity is kind of this state of warfare between, right? Between people and people and God and ourselves. A proud man is always looking down on others and things. And as long as you're looking down, Lewis says, you cannot see something that is above you. In fact, becoming a Christian simply uh, and most powerfully is a looking up and realizing the state of your own condition as a proud and sinful person in need of forgiveness and grace, and then being accepted by our superior being accepted fully by God because of what Christ has done. And that in itself has a profound effect on us. It is quite humbling. There's two very simple scriptures I want to share that just give laser clarity to this thing called proud to pride. The first is out of the Old Testament, the Hebrew uh, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. It says, prize goes before destruction, and a haughty and arrogant lifted up spirit before a fall. You want to see someone ready for destruction, ready for a fall? See someone constantly lifting themselves up. God uh, has his way with the proud, even even in the next life to come, there will be a destruction and fall for the arrogant. Pride goes before destruction. Be warned, friends, and a haughty spirit before a fall. The second passage is in the New Testament, First Peter chapter five verses five through seven, and it's a very simple passage with a great, great warning in it for all of us: Clothe yourselves. What are you wearing today? What kind of clothing are we wearing today? Clothe yourselves, all of you with humility towards one another. Well, and then he gives a reason why. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, there's a lot of things in the world that you might see opposing you. There may be people against you. There may be systems against you. There may be family members that seem out to get you and to tear you down. But you know what, friends? You do not want. You do not want opposition from God. God opposes the proud. Think about that for a second. Man, I mean, if you're a sports person, you're lining up, who are you facing today? My opposition is, oh, God. You think Michael Jordan would be a rough game for you that day? You don't want opposition from God, friends. But, but, here's a beautiful thing, beautiful buts in the Bible, but God gives grace. He extends favor, kindness, love to the humble. So Peter continues, First Peter chapter 5, humble yourselves. Like This is a command to us. Hey, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Put yourself in the right place so that the, at the proper time, he may exalt you. He may lift you up, casting all your anxieties upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. You see, the solution to pride is to humble ourselves. But a humbling of ourselves has to take place in the proper context. It's in the place of worship under the mighty hand of God, trusting him, knowing him, following him. Why? He will exalt us. He will use us as he wishes in the world for things that are good and right and true and beautiful. Things that he might be proud one of. And along the way, when the injustices and the brokenness and sins of others and the sins of other pride people being cast upon you, perhaps bringing anxiety to our lives, we do what? We take those anxieties, we put them on bigger shoulders, we cast them upon the Lord because he loves us. He loves us. As we head into this Christmas season, friends, I want to encourage you to cultivate in your own life both proud one and proud two. Think about it today, friends, as you head towards the holidays. Proud one, who are you proud of? Who in your world needs to hear a wor- word of blessing, a word of encouragement? Who, who needs to hear the actual world? Hey, son. Hey, daughter. Hey, friend. I'm proud of you. Who needs to hear that from you? I recently looked at some test scores that my oldest got on a PSAT, and I was so proud of her for her academic achievements. I look at my middle daughter, her disciplined work ethic, both in school and sports, and I'm proud of her discipline and how she stays on top of things to make her life less crazier than it would be. I look at my son taking back up the great sport of wrestling and working hard at it, right? And I look at him, I say, I'm proud of you, bud. I'm about to write my Christmas letters here in about a week. Uh, Every year, I write letters to my kids. You can listen to the episode on the Gospel Underground, episode 10, A Christmas Tradition, if you want to learn about that. But each year, I want to tell my kids how proud I am of them, what I see in them that is good and beautiful and right, that is a reflection of the good one, the beautiful one, and the right one, where I see godliness being formed in them. Proud one this season, friends. Who needs to hear that word? From you, make a list, write it down, do it. Tell somebody, look them in the face, and say, Hey, you're beautiful, you're strong, you're encouraging, you're godly, I'm proud of you. And what of proud too? What do we need to do to humble ourselves? Holiday season, New Year's, always a time of reflection. There's a changing of calendars, it's a good thing. It does give time in life to pause consider your own heart, your own soul, your own story, your own journey at this point in time in your own history. Maybe you're turning six, 16, 36, or like me, tomorrow I turn 46. Where do I need to humble myself? Is there certain sins that we need to repent of, turn and give to God? Do we need to repent of sin to certain people close to us that we've hurt, harmed, and sinned against? Do we need to disappear a little bit from life, trying so hard to be seen by others and instead just do our work with all our heart as unto God? Maybe there's someone in our family we need to serve in this holiday season. Maybe we need to put aside, drop some drama, drop a grudge or put, put to death a family feud and maybe practice some kindness with those closest to us. How do we do this? How do we humble ourselves? Well, one of the great calls of the scripture is to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who was quite literally the greatest and very nature of God, who became the least, took the form of a servant, a human servant, became obedient to death, even death in such an ignoble way, death on a cross. We look at the one who first humbled himself, gave his life for others, the one who served his father fully, and has served us fully from a lowly manger forward in life. Merry Christmas, y'all. Proud one, proud two, what you gonna do? The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Don House. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might have and you want us to take up here on The Underground to info at Gospelunderground.org. Hey, maybe you want to see a birthday shout out to your boys? Send me cars, presents, you know what I'm saying? Or a five star review on iTunes would be great. We are a dialogue taking place in the Borderlands between the church and culture. And hope to see you out there, friends. Peace. Proud of you.